Alright, let's record. Black so, got on with you good. We good. Yeah, yeah we yeah. <laughs> Hold up, but yeah. what you talking about? I don't need I have you no idea. You can handle this. Oh, alright, wait a minute. Where my book? Yeah, oh, this, we, you, you gonna see a book? We discussed the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's sitting right there on the thing, yo. We recording? Still? Yeah. Good to go. Bye now. Yep. In the house. All right. Yep, there it is. Let's go. Black African Power. What's good? What's happening? A well-organized lie. Defeats a disorganized truth every time. Woo-hoo-wee. Man, y'all already know what it is, man. It's God Killer in the house. Hey, what's good, family, man? I'm here with my man, Woo John. What's good, bro? Not much. Black African Power. I'm Ross Squad up. Ready to get into yeah, uh, we got some books. discussion? Yeah, we got some books, man. We're going to do this off the top out here, basically. We just got some books, and we're going to see what comes to mind with the books um, so we can kind of get into the study. And, and it's just very, very important you know, books is like your, um, like your, your bullets, bullets in your shield, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not that you should believe everything in a book, right? Books are full of sources. Like this book right here was recommended by you for me to get. All right. Which one's that? Uh, this is the Rosetta Stone by Carl Andrews, right. British Museum Press. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so. And this one right here, Lost Languages, The Enigma of the World's Undeciphered Scripts by Andrew Robinson. Yeah, good one. And why is that a good one, though? This one's good. Um, this book here, it actually explains writing systems and the purpose of them. And it explains how the decipherment process actually works. So it goes into what's been under, what hasn't been deciphered and right. what's been deciphered. So does yeah. it... So, so basically, a person had to explain why the meta nature is not in the lost languages, right? In the category of undeciphered, and right. why is it in the category of deciphered? Yeah, you would have to explain that, right. or you just talking off the top of your head. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, like 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 flat earthers do, or flat power people do. You know what I'm saying? Like, did you basically off the top of your head with no real? That there's no organization on it not being deciphered. Mm -hmm. And so I challenge people to organize that, put that together, mm -hmm. make a real serious formal challenge, but you won't find Metanet in this book right. not had been you know, deciphered. I mean, it's, it's clear you got like the Mayan script, right? That mm -hmm. has not been deciphered. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So a lot of people make a lot of conclusions off of, the, oh, my fault, the Almec script, Mayan glyphs. 
right? I hear people make a lot of conclusions, you know what I'm saying, based off of something that hadn't even really necessarily been deciphered. I mean, I find that to be real interesting right there. But what's interesting also is that if the hieroglyphs haven't been deciphered, mm -hmm. the question is, the people who believe that, do they believe the cuneiform has been deciphered? Right. Because, you know, you know, one of the questions is, how can you put a sound to a symbol? So if that's the case, then then what does that what does that say for the cuneiform script? Yeah, you know, for all the cuneiform <clears throat> different tablets for for the Abrahamic uh, traditions, uh, the Gilgamesh epics, the Enuma Elish, all the different cuneiform uh, tablets over in Mesopotamia, mm. and they got an alabaster jar in the, in the museum in Philadelphia, mm. where it has the hieroglyphics and the cuneiform on it. Right. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, and, and, and that's and and the funny part about it is they used the hieroglyphics to help decipher the cuneiform, did they not? Right, because they found that alabaster jar mm -hmm. with the hieroglyphs, then they could read it, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 they understood that okay, man, we can read that. Then we can, if you can read that, the same thing on the Rosetta Stone. If you can read that, then you can read that. Mm -hmm. And they did that, that. You can find that in the in the museum in Philadelphia. I forget the name of the damn museum. Um. Boy, you wasn't there on that trip with us. No, you wasn't. I forget we'll, the name of it. We can go. We'll, we'll, we'll find, find it and just put it. Yep. Yep. We'll find it. Yeah, we'll find the alabaster thing and put it up for you. But yeah, that's interesting here, man. So I like to read this real quick, right? In the forward kind of gives you some interesting things, right? And what's that from? Uh, this is from the Rosetta Stone. All right. Mm -hmm. Name of the book. All right. Uh, it says, it says, even while ancient Egyptians, ancient Egyptian was a living language. The Greeks and the Romans made no real attempt to understand the scripts in which it could be written. It say of ancient authorities, only Clement of Alexandria, writing during the second to third century AD, had quite clear the distinction between hieroglyphs, the script of the official and the religious text, and demonic, the script of the everyday communication. It says in particular, the enigmatic esoteric and symbolic nature of the hieroglyphs was stressed. Cursive demonic held no interest to compare with the um, pictorial script in the eyes of the classical writers. Mm -hmm. Attention. It says as early as the first century BC the Greek historian Theodorus Siculus uh, commenting on hieroglyphs wrote he said, now, it happens that the forms of their, the Egyptian letters, take the shape of all kinds of living creatures and of the extremities of the human body and of implements. For their writing does not express the intended idea by the combination of syllabus, one with another, but by the outward appearance of what has been copied and by the metaphorical meaning expressed upon the memory by practice. Now this is the same thing that the tomfoolery individuals always express this idea right here, right? It says so, the hawk symbol for them, everything which happens quickly because the creature is just about the fastest of the winged animals. 
You see, and the idea is transferred through the appropriate metaphorical transfer to all swift things and to those things to which speed is appropriate. Watch this. It's a doing, it's a doing the early centuries they did. The adaptation of hieroglyphs by the Neoplatonist philosophers as divinely inspired scripts symbolically embodying all human wisdom gave rise to a body of hermetic writings and to such tracts as her Apollo Hieroglyphia. Listen to what it is saying. Really, the new age right. information, mm -hmm. right? Was based off of the glyphs being symbolic. Am I am I getting this right? Right. That was the assumption. The That's assumption. the assumption now. So all those we go to Barnes and Noble, go to the New Age section, and they got these books with the hieroglyphs, glyphs in that, and all that, and the means. Man, they're making an assumption right here. Okay. Now let me keep going. It says. That were, it say that were amongst the first works on the subject to be rediscovered during the European Renaissance in the reason for the tradition amongst the scholars of the 16th and the 17th century. That the hieroglyphs were purely symbolic and contained in their signs the lost lore of ancient Egypt. I'm going to say this again. That the hieroglyphs were purely symbolic and contained in their signs the lost lore of ancient Egypt. This is what we hear the misinformed say all the time, family. The influence exercised by these beliefs, attempts, and decipherment is best exemplified by the claims of the German priest, which is Athenios. Culture, look the word up. A T Athenians. Am I saying that right? As Athenians. Athenians. Okay. A T Athenians. Athenians. That's the word. Athenians. Look it up. Culture. That's A T H A N A S I U S. Athenians. Culture. Look them up. It's important, right? Who preferred, right? No, who professed in the mid. Where you pick up, just pick, pick back up. Uh, and we left off and just say it all over again. Because see, now I can, I can get a clean break. Okay. Start over again. Mm -hmm. The, let me see. Let me see. The influence exercised by this belief and on attempts at the decipherment is best exemplified by the claims of the German priest Athanasius Kircher. That's important. Look that name up. Right, who professed in the mid-16th century work to be able to read whole sentences in what would eventually prove to be a single alphabetical written hieroglyphic word. Okay? French activists. But you got pause right there. Because what's that saying is that Athanasius Kircher claimed to be able to read a full sentence, a full paragraph, but what later was found out to be just a simple word. And so this is this like catered into that belief of, of, of it being a symbolic, uh, the, the pictorial glyphs being right. symbolic. Mm -hmm. So you can look at one symbol and get a whole story out of it. Another symbol, get a whole another story out of it. And that was the nature in which Athanasius uh, Kircher 
um, had did his translation. But it was later to find out that, hey, that's just simply one word. So that's important. Very, very important. Look them up. Okay, we're going to say French activities in Egypt at the end of the 18th century made accessible to scholars wrestling with the problem of decipherment of the hieroglyphics, great, great qualities of inscribed and written material, great quantities of inscribed and written materials. Even more important, a new school of thought was arising, which rejected the symbolic and esoteric value of the hieroglyphs, right? Releasing rather that they were characters used to write an ancient language and that hieratic and demonic were but cursive forms of the same script. Now, this is important. Very important. Very important. I'm going to read it one more time because this is where the community gets lost in understanding what's really going on. So I want you to see the dividing line, yep. right, on how they actually came to understand that this was really a written language just like, you know, the Europeans had written languages. Mm -hmm. When they put it in that category, the whole world opened up for them. But we have people in our community consistently, time after time, consistently swearing that the glyphs are simply symbolic, mm -hmm. right? With some kind of esoteric meaning to it. You feel me? And no one could decipher. Guess what? If it was that, they're right. Mm -hmm. If it was the fact that it was something that's symbolic and only the person who wrote it would know it, then they would be absolutely right. But we're starting to find out that that's nowhere near closely or remotely the truth. Not so, at all. So, so you're dealing with a fork in the road. You're traveling down the road, one, one street, now all of a sudden you come to a fork. You either go to the right or you go to the left. So the right is where people believe that it was all symbolic. Facts. It was just esoteric. It was just a Facts. mystery thing. It, it had nothing to do with the actual language. On the left, the road to the left is what you're getting into right now. That's kosher and uh, an atheist kosher. He's one of them, one of them dudes, correct? German priest, right? Mm, he's the one. one. Mm -hmm. He's one of them guys. Let me read it again. Watch this. This is important. It says, even more important, a new school of thought was arising which rejected the symbolic and esoteric value of the hieroglyphs, releasing rather that they were characters used to write an Egyptian language and that the hieroglyphic and the demonic were but cursive forms of the same script. And so we know Walter Williams, according to reading your book, makes that same mistake. Am I not right or wrong? That's right. You had it in the book? Yeah. Know can, we, can we see that real fast? All right, let's see. Where do I have it? And, and this is what I'm saying. We're slowing it down, right? We want to make sure, make no bones about this, man. We on our game, okay? And, and, and we need to really recognize you got to understand the subject matter. See, trying to debate or, or trying to debunk subject matter that you do not understand is dangerous because you very well might be a good speaker and you very well might be a, a, know how to present and move your hands in a certain way to kind of bring people in. You might say the cuss words at the right time, right? You might, you, you, you might move young people. You might do all these things, right? But not understanding subject matter, you will always have a faulty conclusion. Like we say around here, yo, if you start off with a faulty conclusion, what's going to happen? Ooh, you read a faulty, uh, say that again. 
If you start off with a faulty conclusion, you gonna have a what? No, if you start off with a faulty premise. Faulty premise. Then you'll always end up with a faulty conclusion. <laughs> exactly. Facts. You found it? Um, I got it in two places, but what you touching on, I'm trying to still find it, but uh, let me just see something real quick. Uh, well, you can just stop and, you know, yeah, yeah. No, all right, I got it. Hold on, let's see. Uh, speak to him. It says, because Walter Williams, because I said something specifically to that, he said, no one can put a fanatical. That's in the, uh, that one of the funny shape. The bottom of the page. Oh, and that was the first one right there. That's point one. But point two is the one where he uh, talks about that. See, I say, um, okay, let's just start here. This is uh, um, a gentleman by the name of John uh, Zetzev from 1110 uh, AD to 1180 AD. He speaks of Homer and says, Now Homer says this as he was accurately instructed in all learning by means of the symbolic Ethiopian characters. For the Ethiopians did not use alphabetic characters, but depict animals of all sorts instead and limbs and members of these animals for the sacred scribes in former times desired to conceal their opinion about the nature of the gods and therefore handed all this down to their own children by allegorical methods and the aforesaid symbols and characters as the sacred scribe Sherimon says. It is this prevailing belief that the hieroglyphs being purely symbolic and not graphs used to visually represent speech that influenced the tradition among scholars of the 16th and 17th centuries European Renaissance. In the 17th century CE, scholars firmly believed the hieroglyphs to be magical symbols, which, which was encouraged through the work of Athanasius Kircher, that you mentioned, a, Je a German Jesuit scholar and polymath who made attempts to translate the hieroglyphs symbolically, all resulting in error. Kircher took his lead from the early Greek writers would also fail to understand the meaning of the hieroglyphs and believe they were symbols. Taking their interpretation as fact instead of conjecture, Kircher insisted on an interpretation where each symbol represented a concept. For example, Kircher translated a frequently occurring phrase in Egyptian, which is, um, the phrase is Jed Medu En Wasir, which we know to mean words spoken by Wasir, mm -hmm. Wasir being Osiris. And Kircher translated that. Now, I just said it. Jed Medu En Wasir, which mm -hmm. means words spoken by Osiris or Wasir. Kircher translated as, The treachery of Typhoon ends at the throne of Isis. The moisture of nature is guarded by the vigilance of Anubis. Now, how did he get that from words spoken by Wasir? And how he got it was because he was translating each symbol to represent a concept mm -hmm. only. He didn't realize that the symbols were actually uh, a visual representation of the language. Mm. So that was that was important. That's important. That speaks to what you were talking about earlier about uh, Athanasius Kircher. So we had, like we said, we're at the crossroads. Let, let's determine this. When you're having conversations, people ask them, is the meta nature symbolic or is it just like a written language today? If they tell you symbolic, in that conversation and walk away because you know they're preaching and teaching tomfoolery, right or wrong. That's right. 
All right? Ain't no cut cause. You cannot stand there and argue with them over that. Complete foolery. The whole thing. Um, I'd like to bring to your attention in the section, African's Contributions to Science. Okay? And in here, he has... <clears throat> um, Mathematical problems, um, trigonometry. Okay, he said the Egyptians knew how to calculate the slope of the pyramid from the usual trigonomic lines, such as uh, cosine, which is tangent, uh, cotangent, as by exercise fifty-six to sixty on the Rhine mathematical papyrus, right? If the meta-nature had not been deciphered, how would you know? How would you know? Exactly. How would Diaz, one of the greatest minds that we have in this community, even write this book? Mm -hmm. A work that absolutely challenged European academia. How could we do that, brother, like that? Without having verifiable evidence to the contrary. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you mean to tell me we've just been reading this material the whole time and Diops made it up? We talking about Diops. We talking about recognized by the whole planet. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Being authority on said subjects, man. We talking about a brother that had his own lab. Remember, he one of the first people that, that actually tested the melanin count. They don't even do that no more in the mummies. His shit was so thorough, they had to say, man, in the conclusion, they say, man, they, they shit was more thorough. Him and Diaz was more thorough than anybody. So you mean to tell me they was that thorough, but yet missed that? They missed the fact that Metanetia had not been deciphered? Right. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling. I mean, it's, it's totally mind-boggling. Surface of a spear. Okay, Egyptian research. Uh, the, the eclipse, the calculation of the surface. Um, I mean, come on, man. Reproduction of the eclipse drawn on the wall of the temple at Luxor. Uh, this wall was built under Ramses III. You know what? I'm not even going to... I'm, I'm not even going to show this because now we just beat up the flat earthers. I'm not even going to bring that out. So if you're a flat earth or a flat power mm. and you can't read the glyphs, sit down. Go ahead. You want to add some of that? Uh, just kind of go back to to the um, the other point, you know, when we reached that fork in the road, uh, dealing with the language and the writing system, we had one road that le led to the assumption that the glyphs were purely symbolic. Facts. And everybody had an eclectic, esoteric um, translation of the different symbols. Then you had the other road, which was a more scientific road where the question was asked, well, wait a minute, what if these pictorial glyphs are actually visual representation of an ancient language? And then that question sparked the study and the investigation, a very scientific investigation done by uh, several different gentlemen. Now, Jean-Francois um, uh, Jean Champollion is the name that everybody hears, but people don't realize that there was a number of men that were involved in the entire process. But Champollion is the one who's given uh, credit and his name is the one that's, that's um, widely known. But I wanna bring people to the attention of another gentleman by the name of George, George Zoga. 
And he was the one, it was at, at during his time that a turning point was taking place. Like you had reached a fork in the road. Now, uh, George Zoga is the one who actually entertained um, or suggested that the hieroglyphs may be written phonetically and that cartouches contain royal names. So he was the one that introduced the idea and to, and to start that investigation. Where, wait a minute, that these glyphs could, could actually represent something that is phonetic and that the cartouches themselves represented royal names. So that needs to be understood because it was, it was his suggestion and his work on that that laid the foundation for the people to come after him. So this is before Champollion, this is before Thomas Young and everybody that came after those uh, people. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is an important turning point. And and and, um, and this is we, we wrote all of this, you know, this is all inside of the book where we explain in chronological form format all of the people that were involved in the decipherment process. Mm -hmm. Not just Champollion, not just Thomas Young, but everybody before that that led up to that. And even gave even give the uh, context where all this stuff took place. Mm -hmm. You know, you're dealing with a, a period of time where people Everybody pretty much assumed that those glyphs were just symbolic, myst mystical characters, and that's it. Mm. So, so that was like, uh, what do you call it? Um, when you when you kind of go against the grain of the popular belief, that was um, what do you call it? When people do that, groundbreaking, groundbreaking. Um, uh, you know, uh, alternative thoughts. So that's what that's what that's what this is what was taking place in the late 1700s. That's 1700s, absolutely. Yeah, you can you can uh, <clears throat> cut this part out. Is it, it, ellipse, ellipse. Uh, it's not an eclipse. Messed ellipse, up. ellipse, reproduction of an ellipse. Uh -huh. The hell is an ellipse? Ellipse, like elliptical. Yeah, but that's not a that's not on a wall. But that don't got nothing to do with the um, the flattery. Oh, you said that earlier? You said that yeah, earlier? Yeah, you got Okay, to we can take that. All right. Yeah. No problem. Ellipse on the temple. Hold on. But where are we? Because we, we kind of we, we jumped from the fork of the road. That's what I was trying to uh, stick, no, stick we back kinda, to. Yeah, we was on the fork of the road. We kind of hit, hit that. And I just went through the book to show where, um, you know, certain things, you know, like I'm in the wall off in Egyptian, how that match up. There's only one way to know that. If the shit ain't decipher, how is they matching up the wall off terms and shit? Yeah, we was right there on a, uh, no, we finished with that. I read that part. We finished that. Okay. All right. I think I'm we got that to... pretty good. Just trying. Okay. Yeah, man, look, man. I know we, we ain't rolling, but man, people just need to get the book. Because, cause like, I'm, I'm trying to find the spot that you asked me about, and I'm seeing so many other points that we that could be brought out. Like, this guy, George, what I just read, mm. it leads into, um... Cause see the way the way that um, I outlined this was was boom every hit like he contributed this, and then next um, the next thing that happened in, in chronological order is when they started getting raw materials out of out of Egypt. You know the the uh, French was down in there in Egypt and and the English fighting, and they were able to get all the raw materials that had inscriptions on there. People, right, people yep. started to reject. Wait a minute. Nah, it's not symbolic because th this is on some stuff that it don't so make sense. So take it from there. Go ahead. Take it from there. Right, well, how, how can I tie this? Let me see. Uh, it says French invade. You can just start talking. I think we pretty much smashed that.
Okay. Um, and you said she got my eyes watering. Nah, you know what though? I was sitting here and I'm blinking. And and oh, we can't do that. This shit ain't gonna work. Yeah, we got to, we got to discuss that with the brother. All right, so you ready? Okay. Yeah. I know my eyes probably red. Your eyes look red. I know mine. Um, I was wondering that shit was gonna start creeping up on you. Yeah, but I don't I don't smell it. It's just it does. It's affecting my. Uh, I'm blinking a lot. I just noticed that. All right, so here we go. So hold up. So I'm trying to pick up where you left off at though, because I'm I'm. I'm, I'm I left off at, at the fact that if something couldn't be deciphered, if it wasn't deciphered, you know, like how would they know if they had geometry and all that? Nah, the part about the the uh, symbolic thing. Yeah, it was right here. We finished that. I stopped reading that, and you found it in the book. Yeah. So okay, but what was the last thing you said? There wasn't nothing else on that. The last thing I said was I talked about. No, I'm about uh, that fork in the road. Oh, that, yeah, that was because I'm, I'm, I'm picking up right there. I just want to read these two things right here. Yeah, that phone number was right here. It said it, it was consequently almost certain.